everyone. It's Angela Ardolino with Your Natural Dog. And I know I always say this, but she is one of my favorite holistic and integrative veterinarians. Dr. Ruth Roberts is on today. I literally can have her on and talk way too much about holistic health and food therapy. She has been a holistic and integrative vet for over 30 years. She's trained in traditional Chinese medicine, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today so that we can understand it and how this amazing 5,000-year-old medicine has, you know, worked so well and could help your pet. Um, So I wanted to talk to her a little bit about that and also... One of my favorite things about her is that she basically is a coach for pet parents. Like she literally tries to help us and teach us um, how to understand and do what's best for our pets. So tune in. We're going to talk about all these fun things with Dr. Ruth Roberts coming up next. And we're back with your natural dog. And this is Angela Ardolino and I'm with Dr. Ruth Roberts. How you doing? I am fantastic, Angela. How are you? I am fantastic. And why I love having a conversation with you is because I um, I get the message all the time that, gosh, it's like I'm stuck between this put on everybody, you know, the message of you must consult your uh, veterinarian. Don't forget to consult your veterinarian before you do anything. I, I don't feel comfortable giving that message anymore. And I told you about a story that I just went through. And I'm always telling everyone, look for a holistic veterinarian first. Uh, look for an integrative second. If you have no choice, get your x-rays and blood work done and then do telehealth <laughs> with a, a holistic or integrative. But not all holistic and integrative vets are created equal. As you know, the success I've had with my dog, my Doberman, Nina, with osteosarcoma, who we're trying to verify that she is the longest living dog who had her leg up to 22 months. And now she's passed two years from her diagnosis and I didn't do a single thing of convention. Actually, would amputation be considered conventional or that would be You know, here here's an interesting thing. So I had a actually in practice I had a dog that lived to 18 months past her same place, right in the wrist, mm. 18 yep. months past diagnosis. The owners didn't believe it was uh, osteosarcoma anymore. Took her to NC State, they took a biopsy and it exploded. Wow. I love that you told this story because, you know, if they hadn't taken that biopsy, you you would have been in the same same boat as I am because I didn't yeah. touch that tumor. I didn't understand how the heck do you take a, a biopsy from it. And I also was so frightened of all the stories of, you know, taking, trying to see if that tumor is cancer or not. So I didn't do that, but I did get to send the leg in. And verify because the same thing happened to me. Nobody yeah. believed it was osteosarcoma when she made it to 18 months. You do the right things. And for her, that's where I used a lot of Chinese medicine for this dog. And so this dog got out 18 months. She had some swelling around her foot. Yep, that's what happened to Nina. Yeah, and that was and that's kind of typical. The only time I would really biopsy in the past with osteosarcoma is if I was going to take the leg off because it was already so painful that it just had no, I mean, there was no point in in the dog keeping the leg. And this sounds a little ludicrous, perhaps. But if we can relieve pain, that takes a whole gamut of things that we have to do for this dog away. And right. so that was kind of it. But I mean, that's, it's, to me, 
I mean, it's amazing that Nina has gone 22 months, but... Two years now. I mean, that's just astonishing. I am, I, and honestly, I think that now that we've got cannabis that we can legally work with, it is the most incredible thing that you can add with traditional Chinese medicine. Because Amen. it's all the same wonderful herbs. Most of them probably interact with the endocannabinoid system anyway. And literally, it was adaptogenic herbs cannabis, both a full spectrum hemp extract and the cannabis extract and medicinal mushrooms and a diet that was, you know, supporting her and not feeding the cancer. So when you really like break it down, you go, okay, wait a minute. And when this happened, you can imagine I was freaking out and I had the opportunity to practice what I learned and what I learned from you what I learned from the University of Vermont about cannabis. And I want to thank you because you are the number one holistic vet that's out there that is coaching us pet parents who really want to know and do better, you know, on our second or third time around with our pets. We want to get this right. And I really do feel like I have. That's so sweet. Thank you. So thank you for, for being that person. It It's, um, it's, means the world to me and everybody who discovers you feels that way too. So thank you. There's definitely a big group of us out there that not only have taken control over our own health, but want to take control over our family and our pet's health and realize that the system is broken. So I love that I can ask you and go, why? How? Like for instance, I have a client that came into the store. Her dog has they said osteosarcoma in the, I guess, in the sinuses. So she's got a, the dog's got a tumor on the head. And it said, you know, nothing we can do. You should euthanize today. And she's like, I'm not doing that. So she came. She's using my CBD. 30 days, there's a visible shrinkage of the tumor on the he- dog's head. Right She on. takes the dog in and he goes, wow. And she's like, yeah, isn't that incredible? And he's like, yeah, what'd you do? What are you doing? I'm doing a full spectrum hemp extract. Great. We'll keep on doing that. Exactly. How is a vet who's in there to help animals not go, this is incredible. Like I I keep waiting for that response for me, like where they're going, what did you do? It's really, it's hilarious. And I've had, when I was still in Charleston, I called up a colleague of mine and I really, I'd love this practice in internal medicine because they were, you know, they were to the point, they were completely conventional, but they gave the client the information they need and the pet, the treatment that was going to best support them. So I'm talking to her about this uh, patient we shared who had a horrible adrenal tumor and just really had massive problems secondary to it. She got through it, she got down the road, and she ended up with a stupid side effect issue where she had eaten two drugs that were giving her essentially a stomach ulcer. So I call up my colleague to say, hey, my, you know, my client's coming in and he needs some help with the, with the uh, uh, ulcer therapy, some fluids and things like that. And she's like, that dog is still alive? I'm like, yep. And she's like, whoa. But they didn't ask. They didn't say, hey, would you do what happened? That's amazing. It was, it was interesting. The oncologist there, her mother was a classically trained homeopath. So we actually did trade some things back and forth. And that was super cool. Like she told me about immunity and I told her about Unin Bial for, for hemangiosarcomas. So it was a lot, that was, that was awesome, but it's unusual. And the thing is, is that it takes 
okay, now I have this information. Now what do I do with it? And this is what we were chatting about. It's like either I've got to really change what I'm doing and dig in and start to learn things, or I have to just hunker down and keep doing what I've been doing because I'm too overwhelmed to take the, take the time to learn something new and learn how to implement it, even if it's in a cookbook way. Uh, and that's where I think we see so many people so many veterinarians really becoming difficult to work with. Let's just put it that way. I get it. Clients are difficult, so I get it. <laughs> well, and I, I don't, I, I don't know what's going on with my profession. And, and honestly, at many times, I am, I'm embarrassed and heartbroken because people are not doing the job that they need to do, even if it's in conventional medicine. They're not doing it properly. They're telling cats, people with cats that have very early kidney failure, oh, just put it to sleep so it doesn't suffer. And it's like, this cat's going to live an average of 11 to 1300 days longer. Are you kidding? Right. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't know what's going on. It's the same thing with cancer. I just, of course, I want to know everything, how I did what I did, because I want to be able to explain it to the masses so that I can explain to people, this is what cancer is. This is how it works. And this is how cannabis, medicinal mushrooms, and these amazing herbs work to prevent it from spreading, metastasizing, from growing, from even forming a tumor, from even allowing your cells to even continue going rogue. So I can explain that now. And it makes so much sense to me. And it makes me very mad when, A, I discovered that veterinary oncology has only been around for a couple of years. And then I went down this rabbit hole of I found a piece of research or a review talking about whether chemotherapy and radiation is even ethical to do on animals because not only do the chemotherapy comes out in their skin when you take the dog back home and that you could contaminate yourself, your family, your house, but that the pet can't tell you, I I feel really awful. I feel like I'm going to die. I hurt, heal. I feel this. So that makes sense to me. And I have no problem saying that because there are other things that you can do that My dog had the most painful cancer there was, and I was able to control her pain completely with cannabis. So there's, you can't, you can't tell me that I have to do the radiation or, oh my gosh, the amputation, because everyone thinks, especially in bone cancer, that if you cut the leg off, you cut the tumor out, you've gotten rid of the cancer. And that's not how cancer works. No, it isn't. But, you know, I'll have to say, Angela, I mean, it's not for everybody, but there are cases where uh, chemotherapy and radiation therapy can be really useful. But you have to understand what you're, well, I mean. And how do you find that person that, like, literally there's two vets that I would trust, uh, Mm -hmm. Dr. Pope and Dr. Huzzah. Other than that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to one of those special, you know, Fido, what's the, that one that has, there's cancer specialists popping up now. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's just like humans, so much money they're going to make. Yeah, no, that's a chain too. But I have to say, I mean, I have seen that really benefit dogs and it's not for everybody, but if you can reduce pain and, and granted, this is before I think Canapat had finally launched their product, and that wasn't a great one, but it was helpful. Right. But 
if this stops pain and ultimately gives this dog a quality of life without taking away quality of life, I think that's okay. But what you think of and what most people think of with all of this is like, you know, the, the old joke on the human side for oncologists, the oncologist is the one at the funeral that jumps into the casket and starts a line. And that there is that too. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just, you know, so there is that too. I think you have to take it all with a piece of salt, if you will, and think your way through it. What is really going to provide the best options and result for my dog, for my cat? And this is the other thing that is so frustrating is that it's hard to get information to understand what to do to have a reliable source. And that's what people are battling today. I mean, right. you did all the digging and you still ended up with a crazy show for Nina. And that's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I know. It's hard. I mean, I'm like, what? is it too late for me to become a veterinarian? What do you spend, mama? <laughs> Oh, she's so cute. <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, those of yeah. you who can't and you're just listening, she's got her poodle on her lap. So, and she's a great poodle and she's very cute. And she's looking out at the view. It's beautiful. I love it. She is. She's protecting us from all the evil spirits. I like but it. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that um, you were talking about how we were comparing stories about how you had um, wonderful success with a dog with Chinese medicine with osteosarcoma. What am other amazing things have you been able to do with it and um, that you don't see, you know, you see such great results. I just love that it's just all good. It is all good. And that I don't ever have any bad side effects and I don't have to wa worry about them, you know, anything being harmed. So tell me like some of your best cases. So, so the, the story I do have to tell you is when I was studying Chinese medicine, they gave us samples of different herbs to take home and everybody was freaking out in my class because they gave us hemp seeds, which is Madewang, which is to help with constipation. They're like, are, are we going to get arrested on the plane? And it's like, Dude, this is hemp, not marijuana. You're good. Right. <laughs> but, but but it was it, it was amazing. And how this started for me with Chinese medicine is I had a dog with bacterial endocarditis, and and as I was studying, so literally I'm looking at a lesion on her heart valve that is this big. So we I did the conventional stuff because this is where I was in my career, and. and and we got the bacterial infection under control, got the heart supported, took her down with me to Florida to the Chi Institute. And I said, to ask my instructors, I need some help with this girl. And so they gave me the acupuncture points. They said, start cooking for her and gave me some herbal formulas. Well, this dog was not having acupuncture. Just no. But she thought the food therapy was an outstanding idea and the herbs were an outstanding idea. And I am not kidding you, over three months, I watched it shrink down to three millimeters or about the thickness of a piece of paper. So this wow. is at nine years of age. At 13, she finally passed away. But I mean, that's just astonishing. Bacterial endocarditis kills dogs. So that was How do they get it? What is it caused from? It's, it's literally a, that's the big question. It's a bacterial infection. So whether that started out from the kidneys or from teeth or from what, I don't, you know, this is the question is where does it start? But we don't know often. But I mean, wow. there's my own girl, um, the dog I told you about with the osteosarcoma. I had a dog that had a cutaneous hemangiosarcoma, which is pretty unusual. 
and literally between the herbs and eat and cooked food designed for the specific pattern disharmony that this dog had he cleared that tumor and he you know i think this was at like seven or eight this guy lived to be 13 which is pretty outstanding for a labrador that is awesome so i i want the message to be heard that what i think and you can tell me if i'm crazy i know you agree with me already is that traditional chinese medicine is amazing and I mean, cannabis, they used cannabis for 1,800 years ago, and they still use it. And I think they only use hemp seeds in clinical practice, but they've used all parts of the plant in the past, and it's just prohibition that made them stop and that they don't do it anymore. But big believers in it because it's, to me, it's just the king of adaptogens and herbs. It's just another one that's just super powerful. So when you add cannabis... And remember when I'm talking cannabis, I'm talking about marijuana and uh, and hemp, if you need it, depending what you what each pet needs. You add that with traditional and you add that with food therapy. How traditional Chinese medicine, do they use mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms? There are some mushrooms, but they're more they're for different aspects. So largely they're used to drain damp. And so damp, for instance, lipomas are phlegm nodules. Damp turns into phlegm when it's cooked for too long. Lymphosarcoma is also a a phlegm nodule, strangely enough. So it's sort of a different approach. Um, But, I mean, they've used turkey tail, uh, all sorts of things, reishi mushrooms, uh, shiitakes, all of these, but in a different way than we have. Yeah. Right. Um, so what my point is, is Chinese medicine, cannabis, medicinal mushrooms, and diet, I feel like you really can get a hold of just about anything. Do you agree? At least, at the very least, you can make that pet's quality of life better. And you're supporting their immune system to help fight off whatever it is. You're supporting, exactly, you're supporting the body to reduce inflammation and prevent assets from being delivered to the cancer instead of to the dog. That's really exactly. the kind of the way I approach it. Yeah. I love it. We're starving that cancer. We don't want to feed it. <laughs> right on. I, I think that is amazing. So if we have that information, knowing that these are the things that could really help our pet, no matter what's going on, and then what can you do on past that point would be super helpful. Now we talk about, you're talking about damp and cool and hot. I know that there's Chinese medicine also applies to food therapy. Um, So for instance, the little I know, and that has been so helpful to me is, you know, hot proteins versus cool proteins and hot veggies versus cool veggies. Explain that to our audience. So that's, that's a concept that is pretty foreign to us. So the idea that there are natures of of foods that will either be warming, cooling, draining, neutral temperature, and then have other special properties like tonifying blood with a capital B, meaning it's the Chinese medical concept and not the red stuff that flows out if you cut yourself. Uh, Tonifying blood, qi, yin, yang, and jing or essence. And so the idea is that you could look at common formulas, herbal formulas. Okay, so for instance, with osteosarcomas, hemangiosarcomas, these are blood stagnation tumors. And so the goal would be to tonify blood, tonify chi, 
and then give herbs to help keep things moving. And so it turns out that some of those herbs, like curcuma uh, or turmeric, we used in much larger doses to, to do the same thing. So it's a little more subtle as far as the way the herbs are used, but the overall effect is the same in that we are supporting the body to do what it knows how to do instead of using things that are going to just focus on kill the tumor. So that's kind of where the difference is. There's a lot more subtleties. Uh, Does that make sense? It does. So let's take a break. I know I have to take a break. Lauren's telling us we have to take a commercial break. But I want to ask you an important question when we come back right after this. If you're like us, your pets are part of the family. That's why at CBD Dog Health, we created a line of human-grade, full-spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friend's needs. Whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks, arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at CBDDogHealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health, healing naturally. All right, we're back with Dr. Ruth Roberts, and we're talking about traditional Chinese medicine. And why I'm so attracted to it is because it's kind of the same concept of cannabis and hemp and medicinal mushrooms and how they're either all interacting with our immune system, helping to uh, support it to do what it needs to do, and all of them we know are interacting with the endocannabinoid system. And if we're dealing with cancer, we know that they're dealing with the 12 pathways of cancer. So when you go get a chemotherapy drug, usually those drugs are dealing with one pathway uh, to cancer. When you combine these herbs and cannabis and mushrooms, you're dealing with all 12 of them. And not only are you dealing with all 12, some of them you're you're up-regulating them to, to help do something or downgrading to make them stop doing something or completely blocking to prevent, you know, spread or growth. Explain that. Well, so this is the, the thing that's astonishing. I mean, the science coming out about Chinese herbal formulas is astonishing. But what you have to remember is this is a system of medicine that was developed well over 5,000 years ago for humans, and there are uh, written texts for animals. It really makes us wonder why we're not going back to what's been working for 5,000 years. Why did we get away from it, Big Pharma? I think part of it is it doesn't work in all situations. It's like every system of medicine. It has its own set of shortcomings. So there, with but the by Western now we med- know what it does work. Well, we do know where it works, but but it takes uh, a great deal of skill. And so this is the problem is that because medicine is a business, it there's not access for everybody. And that's, <clears throat> that's part of it. I think if you look at things like um, what Dr. Chris Besant has done with HerbSmith, she has some of the more common Chinese herbal formulas available over the counter because yeah. we, I mean, this is... Lots and lots, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, huge frustration out there with with vets. And so this is a way to take the system of medicine and make it more approachable for most people. And it doesn't always work because you have to find the right patient fit. Just as 
you know, some other holistic plan may not work. Homeopathy may not work for a particular patient. So you have to find the right fit for that person and that pet. Uh, but it is, it was developed through a series of observations, which is why some of it sounds so crazy to us. So for instance, there are several formulas for shin disturbance or anxiety. And one of them is for shin disturbance that is crazy dancing naked on the roof. So some of it's- I want to take that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want that to happen. Some of it's, well, it's to stop it. <laughs> because the I know, Chinese, I don't want to stop you that. Know, yeah, culturally, right. they're very, very conservative, I think is a good mm-hmm. way. So this is, but I mean, some of it is very poetic and very elegantly put, but it was developed through a series of observations. Well, what happens if we do this? And what happens if we do that? And then how can we explain what this person has? And I want to say that they started working with cannabis because they were observing animals eating or reacting to it and then going, huh, there might be something to this. Am I wrong? I'm like, or am I mixing up a story? No, it's the oldest form of uh, medication development in the world, if you will, watching what animals do and what, you know, what they choose to help support themselves. So mm-hmm. there's so much, there's so much out there, but it is, if you start reading about it, it is really like, whoa. Bro, oh, I know. Yeah, it's something that I love. I have, I have so many of you, well, I shouldn't say too many, so many. I have about five of you that I know that I can call and go, okay, I've got this, what, what Chinese uh, herb should I pair with it? And you guys always spit out two or three. That'll be a nice combo. Because as I said a million times, when we put these amazing medicinal botanicals together, they get more powerful and more synergistic. And I, that's what my favorite thing is about them. I love talking old dogs with you, seniors and geriatrics, and I've got a bunch of them. And I know food therapy is something that you specialize in. And I have noticed with my dogs, as they become seniors, my little dogs become seniors, they've become, they couldn't tolerate the raw, you know, eating raw anymore. And then we went to like a freeze dried and now we're to a lightly cooked. And as they get older, I find that they can't tolerate the raw anymore. And so turning to your cookbook (laughs) has been the best thing because it's, I am cooking literally for the week and I've got lots of dogs. So, and they're all, they're all seniors now or geriatric. And I also assume, um, actually, it's funny that I say that I assume that they're going to have cancer cells in them and that I want to make sure I keep those cancer cells behaving and not, you know, forming a tumor and doing anything. And it's funny because my uh, poodle is now, I think she's nine and she's not fixed. And I was inspecting her because she's got the biggest nipples on the land. It's hilarious. I think (laughs) she must have had puppies. I don't know what happened before her, her life before me, but I'm pretty positive she's got breast cancer because I've seen a client that comes to our shop whose dog was diagnosed and I've seen it and we've been giving it heal. Of course, the doctor said there's nothing he can do. Told him to put her down and she's like, he's like, no, no, I'm not putting my dog down. She doesn't know she has cancer. She's running around having a great, she doesn't know. She's fine. Everything's good. So we started giving her the heal and putting remedy on and it's already shrank and the doctor's amazed, but they still don't ask about it. So I, that's why I recognize it so easily on Remy is that I'm pretty sure she's got a little tumor underneath one of her nipples. But anyway, getting off subject of that, I, we don't want to feed that cancer. And we also want to make sure we're feeding them appropriately because 
when they can't tolerate the raw food anymore or the dehydrate, the freeze dried, what's happening? So it's like, it's like a nutritionist explained to me a long time ago, as you age, your margin for error shrinks. And so it all, and I'm, this is just what it is. So in Chinese medicine, raw food is actually abhorrent to the spleen, uh, to the spleen, which is the main digestive organ. And so, and this is what I'm saying. It's not like every system is a be all end all. But having said that, so the spleen is the main digestive organ. And as we get older, our ability to take care of things and uh, deal with sort of a wider range of issues gets smaller. And what I think is happening is that the natural ability to digest begins to decline. And so this is where cooked food is super, super useful because it's essentially already pre-digested. Got and it. you were mentioning that, you know, your larger dogs, they tend to do better, things of this nature. And then Nina, I mean, the wonder dog of the universe is like, no, raw food all the time, which the makes time. total sense because she has cancer that she has controlled well enough so that, God willing, she will die with cancer, but not of cancer. Yep. And she's hot. Cancer is hot energetically. She is hot. So she actually needs the cold. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And this is it. You know, it is not one size fits all. We have to look at what that pet needs and where they are in their life and be willing to say, okay, this isn't working. Let's take another route, which is, you know, what you fig- what you did. You looked around and you saw, oh, my guys are just not doing as well as I'd like. And you made some changes and they got better. But, you know, once it happened, it was Odie and then it was the next one and then it was the next one. And I'm like, I keep watching the same thing happen. So I think it's very interesting. So that makes sense. And then I I don't think we ever finished it. The difference between like why some proteins and vegetables are cooling versus hot and how do we know which one they need? So it depends on, again, on your pet. So the idea, a lot of it, again, came from observation. So for instance, chicken is considered to be warming. Turkey is considered to be cooling, according to Dr. Shea. Others disagree. But the idea came from observation. So chickens run around like, ah, and turkeys are more calm and slow ah. and plotting. So they thought were thought to be a little bit more cooling, whereas chickens with their frenetic energy are heating. So some of that makes sense. Some of it doesn't. But the best way to know is to kind of think about where do I live? Uh, what is my pet doing? So, for instance, you're in Florida where it is damp and hot almost all the time. And so we will see dogs like Nina that's just like, ah, oh, this is so hot, I can't stand it. And so she needs cooling food. And there are other dogs like uh, like Hayo who's still sitting in her jacket this morning because she, is, she needs some warming up. Right. And so we have to look at what are, what are our pets doing? And then that helps us add more warming foods when we need it, more cooling foods when we need it. And the other thing is too, is that I think you really have to think about food therapy as more of a long term strategy. Like we're not going to fix this problem in 30 days, but in 90 days, we might start to see some really amazing changes. One of the easiest thing that people can do, and this is something I do all the time when I'm at the shop, is, you know, we see a dog with, um, you know, its whole skin's all bumps or it's licking, it's got hot spots from where it's licking itself. And, you know, you get to the point where you're just seeing certain dogs and you're like, are you feeding him chicken? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, huh? So I think one of the easiest things that 
that people can do is if your dog is having any type of issues, it's most likely something off in that gut to change the protein. I think people are so scared to change it up. I literally change what my dogs are eating almost every day and absolutely every week um, just so that I can get the different nutrients from the different proteins and the different veggies. Everybody in my house is pretty much getting a cool protein one or another. Um, Sometimes a few will get beef, but other than that, they're all pretty much getting a cool protein and getting something different every day. Right. And, and again, because we're going after a long-term strategy here, this is, this is where Chinese medicine doesn't work quite as well uh, because you would eat by season. And so, oh. yeah, exactly. And that's where it gets difficult. But in terms of if you bring functional medicine in and think about, all right, there's this uh, eight-year-old Labrador. Labradors tend to have arthritis issues, cancer, and you know skin issues. So what could we do to help prevent some of those issues oh, from being a problem? Hallelujah. Oh my God, so, we're talking yeah. preventative. Are you crazy? Yeah, I, I know, love right? it. But this is the goal: is that I'm, you know, par- we're going to change the diet to support what the dog needs. But for instance, because that dog has skin problems. And it's, it's prone to cancer, and many of the cancers are blood stagnation or blood deficiency tumors. And by the way, so is the base of the skin problem. We're going to feed that dog some beef because it is a great blood tonic. We're also going to add some kidney beans because they are great blood tonics. And there are also kidney tonics, which control the rear end of the pet. Where is where the majority of the arthritis is located? So that's kind of the wisdom of it. But absolutely, every batch of food change what you are feeding because the reality is, is that we have pets with leaky gut syndrome, and regardless of how careful we are with what we put into their bodies or don't put into them, they still have it because there's just so much junk out in the environment. And so everything we can do to support that pet's gut in terms of a functional medicine concept, we're going to help prevent everything else, hands down. Awesome. Now you have the Crock-Pot cookbook that is out. How are the recipes separated in that? Like if you have a geriatric or, uh, you know, you've got a hot, like, or is it a kind of like everyday kind of thing? Tell us about how we would use it. So basically, the way it's set up is that I give a template, recipe template, and we also have some pre, sort of pre-designed recipes as well that are going to help support pets in general. But the idea is this, you know your pet best, and ultimately, you see what happens when you feed chicken, and you see what happens when you feed beef. And so the idea is that this might be the best food therapy plan in the world with chicken and barley and all of this stuff. But if it makes your pet sick or it worsens the symptoms, it's not. So there's the what we think is going to work, and then there's what actually does work for the pet. So that's why I think it's important to not get stuck and married to one way. Awesome. Well, those of you that are interested in the Crock-Pot, Dr. Ruth Roberts' Crock-Pot cookbook, we will have a link in the show notes so that you can click on it and get it. 
And this is the most amazing part. If you like what you're hearing, you can get a consultation with Dr. Ruth Roberts. So those of you that are interested in taking more control over your pet's um, health, do what I do, which is I go get the blood work done and the x-rays done, and then I go send it to one of my favorite vets and go, what do you think? How am I doing? What could, this is what they told me to do. I want to go more holistic, uh, that type of thing. And they can actually do that with you, right? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the really cool thing is, is that I think that people need the backup right now because the information they're getting from the vets is just, it's not getting them there. So uh, we've got some really cool things up in the air coming up in relationship to that. But I think that is so critical. If your pet has a serious disease and you're not making any progress, get a second opinion. Whether it's from me, from other holistic veterinarians, It's just so critical that you have as much advice as you can get. Yep. And you guys can see on yournaturaldog.com, cbddoghealth.com, angelardolino.com. I have the list of all of these vets on all three of those sites so that you can get a link because you should be able to talk one-on-one with someone and get all the answers that you need and feel comfortable. You should never be bullied or pushed into anything. You should never be felt guilty about it. We'd much rather talk to you and help you um, instead of you suffer or your dog suffer in silence. So don't. we're not here to judge. We're here to help. And we know how hard and frustrating it is out there. So thank you, Dr. Roberts, for being one of our allies You truly are, and I appreciate you so much, and thank you for taking the time to come on today. With pleasure. Thanks for listening. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. And if you want your questions answered live, make sure to call in to 252-377-4555. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and at AngelaArtolino.com. And remember, you can always sign up for a full holistic consultation at cbddoghealth.com slash consultations. Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in MycoDog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. MycoDog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code YNDPODCAST at mycodog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi.